Good morning or early afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, crypto traders worldwide, depending on what time zone you're hitting this from. In today's update, I'm going to briefly cover whatever's happening that is of any sort of relevance to certain people. I'm going to cover another token, which is not a new token, but it's an underdog token. And the, the sad part about this one, I think, is they've made a decision. It's their call. And they're moving in, I think, the wrong direction. I understand why they're doing it, but I think it's moving into the wrong direction. And so I want to talk about that. A um, couple things first. So in the news, there are a couple of changes happening with the SHIB um, ecosystem. They're talking about creating a stable currency. The stable currency, if you don't know the concept of stable currency, at the core, stable currency is to create a fiat-backed currency that can be used for stability. That's its purpose. And so you're saying, well, what's the? why would we do this now? And then what will we, what's going to be the value of SHIB? And you have to understand that the, the big picture of SHIB was always to have the SHIB token be kind of the center of what makes things work. It's generating the money that make all the rest of the ecosystem work. But when you set up a stable coin, you're saying that, you know, there's volatility that happens. It's not saying that you wouldn't, that you wouldn't still trade SHIB. It's saying that you want to have certain stability in a token. I actually think it's a brilliant move. However, it's a risky move. Let me talk about that. When we talk about how smart it is to do a stable coin, you are able to take, you are able to take this coin and invest in it or move money to it in order to stabilize it. That's the goal. So when you do that, you can say, okay, now I can feel confident that it's not going to fluctuate. The volatility is now defrayed and I'm not going to lose when the market's up and down. You may not invest heavily into the stable coin. Rather, you can use it to either hold currency more on the ambitious side. They might use it for ATM applications, right? But it, it, at the core, it's backed by fiat. And so it's stable and it's not subject to the volatility as such of the other ones are. So it's a good, it's a good announcement. The only concern people would have is that when you stabilize the coin, what effect would that have on SHIB? Because right now SHIB is reasonably stable, but I mean, it does go up and down, but it's reasonably stable. And some people are trying to wrap their head around, well, should I keep SHIB? Should I go here? I can't make a recommendation. I can only tell you, generally speaking, as a rule, you would use stable coins when you want to stabilize the value of your investment. You would want to flatten it down. You don't want it to fluctuate or go nuts crazy because you're trying to get it to the point where you're not experiencing those wide shifts when something happens in the industry or you're getting ready to cash out or maybe you're just trying to make it easy to transact that's another thing to consider now here's my downplay, and i'm saying this not to criticize the project i'm saying this as a reality as a former auditor this is the reality they have to figure out a way to allow people to swap to the stable coin from SHIB or from Leash or from Bone without the gas fees. If they cannot do that, I don't think the stable coin's a good idea. So that's that's my feedback. It's find a way 
that you get the gas fees out of the picture. Because you got to think about it. That means every time you transact to the stablecoin, you're getting nailed with hundreds of dollars of fees. I mean, there's got to be a better way. I don't know what that way is. Maybe a clean way to do it would be to airdrop, you know, some SHIB as part of a reward system. Just automatically send it. Don't force them to go to ShibaSwap. You figure it out where you can drop it to them or something to where they're not getting hit with the gas fees. I don't know. That's my take on it. It's not a bad thing that they're doing it. It's pretty exciting that they're doing that. It's pretty intriguing that they think that they can do that. Cool. I just think there's got to be a way to avoid the gas fees you are going to do that because otherwise people are going to start being skeptical about their investment in SHIB, thinking that it'll become worthless at some point in the future, and we definitely don't want that. So that's on the SHIB side. On the Thomas side, um, there was a bunch of stuff, and I purposely avoided chatting heavily about it, but you know, I've been just following it at a distance. And, you know, the the big thing that stood out, at least to me, is the fact that the Satama team is at least at some level involved with what was going on with the Suzuki uh, situation from the other day where there was a clear rug pull. It's an obvious rug pull. And Suzuki was, the Suzuki was, they presented on the AMA for Cytomask. And they were going to be one of the investors, or one of the tokens, rather, on the side of Mass when it launched. The guy, his name's Jared, who was on that call was not the developer. It was, hey, you know, I was put in front of it. He basically was a mark, and they picked him out of a crowd and then said, hey, well, you know, would you like to be involved in this project, and we'll do this, that, and the other. And then, you know, eventually now his face is, is the brand, and so he's the fall guy. It seems like as of today... They've possibly found some more information about who this developer is, and they're trying to uh, close in on who he is. Plus, they're talking about trying to get the contract back on track. Um, it looks like they're they're making some progress, so it's good that they do um, figure out who this guy is um, because a lot of that information would have been deleted out of the telegram. So somebody did some due diligence and was able to track down what's going on. I think that's awesome because it was an ugly situation to see that that happened to people. So I'm, I'm cheering for them. Um, I'll even say from my experience, I'm happy to um, offer any tips I can think of to possibly track down once they find some information, even just core surface information that I may be able to help at least a little bit. I'm happy to offer that service to them because I would, I would not want them to um, lose out of their investment. So, but with the involvement of the Satama folks, um, Elon Mansoor and then Russ, then an open question, and it, it, people don't understand, but it goes to the visual. Nobody's accusing them, but it's the visual from an investor perspective. It's the visual of the fact that you're involved with a project that just rug pulled. That's the concern. Um, and I don't think people understand how that visual affects your low-level casual investors who just take it and they sell out immediately because of it. I mean, we just saw this with the Willie D banner. So instead of getting offended by it, I think people should stop and say, you know what, he's right, because I am, that the visual is affecting people. Whether it should or not doesn't matter. It's affecting people. So maybe we should not be in front of these projects. Now, in their case, they were trying to get involved because they knew it made them look bad that one of the projects that they advocated, that they said that they vet, they vetted, turns out to be a rug pull. I understand what they were trying to do in terms of basically managing reputation. I've said you should do that. 
But the approach, I think, was not done very well, which is you said you vetted them. Well, what did that really mean? And frankly, all the vetting in the world could not have identified a rogue developer, no matter what. But I'll call out one thing. When you had a replacement, you had somebody else who was not the developer getting on the call, and we don't know who this guy is. To me, that should have been a blatant red flag that something wasn't right. And we should have said, no, he needs to be on the call because he's the one that's on the hook for this. Then it opens the question, did Russ get on a video phone with the Suzuki developer? Did he meet the person? Because if he didn't do it and Jared didn't do it, okay, maybe Jared's not that stupid after all. These are questions your investors would ask. And so I think that's from, a, from an investor, casual investor perspective, that visual doesn't look good for the Satama team. Whether they had all the best intentions in the world and trying to manage reputation, I get it. But you got to understand how that looks to certain people that, wait a minute, how come you did, You said you vetted him. What did that really mean if you didn't see him and you didn't talk to him on the phone? And if you did talk to him on the phone, you collected no information and then just start going down that to where nobody knows nothing. That's shocking. That's scary. So I'm cheering for the all the people that were ripped off on the Suzuki side. I'm, I'm heavily cheering for them. I will offer any help I think I can offer if I have basic information. I'm pretty darn, I have a lot of sources and resources to help them if that helps them out because I don't want to see this kind of thing for people. And then let's move on to an exchange. And then my list is whittled down and I'm celebrating that. Most of the ones that are remaining, I'm not going to, like one of them I have an account, but the other three I don't. And I don't need to. I'm just going to cover them at a surface level because by and large, I'm seeing now that most of these are kind of copy pastes of one another. So I don't need to go too deep into them like I did with the previous one. So the next one I'll do is Decoin, decoin.io. Uh, Decoin.io has a very nice interface. It's a clean interface. I love their graphs. I love the font. I love the appearance of it. So, and the performance is a very fast interface. It's a very clean, clean exchange interface, arguably one of the cleanest of all of them outside of KuCoin. And so I, I give them major props for the way they developed it. Support is readily available from email right off the front site. Of course, I didn't go through KYC, but you're probably going to have to do KYC to do the work. And then as far as the list of the coins that they support, they support a lot of the low-cap coins. You know, they got SHIB there, Kishu, Baby DeFido, um, ass, uh, cat girl, hold, which I, that's kind of a tongue in cheek. That's fine. Elongate and so on. So you can do a lot of these trades. The one thing I'll call out about them from what I can tell anyway, is that their pairs seem to be kind of strange. So like, for example, Tron, which is one of my popular coins I like to use is paired only to Bitcoin, not to USD tether. Um, same with stellar XLM. I don't know why that is. Um, but yet you got Cardano, ADA, and it's paired, like I would expect, to USD Tether and to Bitcoin. So it seems like it's heavier on the Bitcoin side than Tether. I don't know why that might be. Um, that would be the only thing I would call out. It, the only net effect of that would be, you know, if you're coming in and you want to trade one for the other, you might have to do more research as to the pairs because you can't trust that Tether is going to work for you all the time. So, like, for example... If I do Baby Doge, it's USD Tether. Well, if I'm trying to buy Baby Doge and I'm coming from XLM, that means I have to sell my XLM to Bitcoin, take my Bitcoin and sell it to USD Tether, which I'm assuming is a pair. Yes, it is. And then sell that and then buy into Baby Doge. That's a lot more steps than I would want. 
So the number of pairs is a little bit of a concern. For most people, it's just an annoyance. It's not something that would be deal breaker. And I don't see anything of the tool that says that it's terrible. Like I said, I love the interface. I just wish that the pairs were cleaner, be consistent. Like I think everything should pair to a stable coin of some kind, ideally USD Tether, because that's the more ubiquitous internationally. But other than that, I have no concerns over that. And then, of course, they've got other features that some uh, of the different exchanges don't support. So like in the one exchange, they have what's called D stocks. And right now they only have one, but that basically allows you to trade GME for your USD tether. So that's bridging crypto into the stock side. So you can buy into GME off of your cryptocurrency. And I'm assuming, and this is only an assumption because I'm not in it, but I'm assuming you can also do, um, and yes, I do see it. There it is. Uh, fractional purchases so you can buy a dollar's worth or two dollars worth or ten dollars worth or whatever as it grows as it's possibly expected to grow over time until you can get to uh, higher amounts for gme because gme is the one that's heavily shorted and you can't see the shorting information in this because again it's a crypto interface so it's not a full-blown stock trading interface so don't think it is just you can trade that stock at least with your crypto which i see none of the other exchanges letting you do from what i could tell maybe i missed it so that's an exciting feature for anybody who's interested in that one. I'm not going to say it's a t terrible interface. It's not. Um, it's just the pairs bother me personally, and I, I need more flexibility in the pairs. Other than that, it's a decent interface. It just doesn't really do very much else that the other ones couldn't do um, when you get creative with it. So that's Dcoin, dcoin.io. Again, nothing wrong with it, just not really what I would personally want. And then spotlight another token. So to talk about an underdog token I mentioned at the beginning of the show, and this is not a new token. It's been around for ages. Um, it started, I'm pretty sure, around the whole, you know, uh, Elon Musk tweet for Doge, and, and it was Hokkaido Inu. And Hokkaido Inu started out, and I want to say it had one quadrillion tokens. It had quite a lot of tokens in the inventory. And it never really reached... A pinnacle of success it was kind of one of those me too side off tokens that was there that you could trade in some people made some decent money but it never got to the level of success it was on the ethereum side at some point they rebranded and they changed their name now it's hawk which i can't send that name hawk finance it sounds like you're hawking up a loogie but hawk finance and they've rebranded the site and they changed it around they kept the same logo why i don't know but they did and they started adding multiple networks, so now it's on the Binance chain, it's on the on uh, the Ethereum side, and then it's on Hiko, which is a different network that's a lesser known network. And then they gave a really good explanation of why they were doing the migration, which is unique. Like many of the tokens doing migrations don't do this. The migration's already done, so the new token's already in place. But just to kind of talk through their thought process for why they did this. So from their perspective, the renounced contract limited them. It tied their hands. It made it to where they were not able to affect changes according to the needs of the investors like they wanted to. Plus, the supply apparently was causing problems with the different exchanges. I'm not sure what that, why that is because we see people like, you know, ones like Dozilla, which has an egregiously large supply, and it's on exchanges, no problem. Rich Quack has an egregiously large supply. It's on exchanges. Cat Girl, I could go on and on. So I don't know why the high supply would would have been a problem or if they're saying that the 
not that, but the renounced contract made it a problem, maybe. But, I mean, there's tons that have renounced contracts in their own exchanges. I don't know if that, it, what that reasoning is saying, but that's what they're saying, is that the, this was our issue, what we were dealing with. The locked liquidity caused problems. We know when the liquidity is locked, it does make it harder to adjust when you need to. We know that's a thing. So now they launched this new one, and it's not renounced. So they have full control over the project. Of course, that does mean a risk. That means that at any point it could get rug pulled. It could um, have issues. I'm not saying it would, and I'm not saying it will, and I'm not saying that there's a strong probability of it. I'm saying it could be a thing. Uh, the other thing is that they decided to heavily constrain the inventory down um, from what it was. Like I said, I think it was, I want to say it was like a quadrillion or something. Now it's only in the billions of tokens, which normally indicates that you're going to have a stronger uh, growth because more people might buy into it. However, we can't understate the psychological effect, like we said before. When you have when you have a constraint, when you have you know millions and millions or billions and billions of a thing, psychologically you're telling the person that you know you're you're sitting good and you have a good stake and da da da. It's a psychological thing versus only be able to hold a thousand or something of some. So it might accommodate really well to people who are already super wealthy, but it's not going to accommodate to the lower levels. Um, I ran scans on it. It's a clean contract reasonably. However, their concerns are just like I was saying. Um, some of the liquidity's locked. Some's unlocked. That's a risk. The ownership not being renounced is a risk. Um, the other big thing on this one is the top five holders hold almost half the inventory. That's a huge risk. As I said, I just said, when you have your price constrained like that, it may entice those people to buy in, but they would be the only ones predominantly buying in because of the psychological effect. And I think that's affecting Hokkaido Hawk Finance, sorry, to what I'm seeing at least. Doesn't mean you shouldn't buy into it. I'm just calling out that that is that's something you should be aware of that's not, that people don't often understand when you get into a token like this and you see, okay, you know, the top holds half the supply. If any one of them, like even not being malicious, just if any one of them decides to sell out for whatever reason, it could tank the token. And that's what Satama saw. Shib saw that at points. It happens to all of them. And so you don't want to see that a lot of super wealthy people are holding the vast majority of inventory because of the risk that they could tank the token at some point. So that's how I feel about Hawk Finance. It's going to be hard to say that. Hawk Finance, previously known as Hokkaido Inu. It's, it's a solid project. Like they've branded it almost like a bank and they talk about loans, they talk about pensions. And so they're, they're ambitious and it's a good project and it's a good site and they've got good writing and everything is clean. It's just that I, I question the whole, I understand why they thought that was a good idea. I'm not criticizing the reason they thought it was a good idea to constrain the inventory. I just think that some of these companies go too far when they lock the inventory down and they start going way too extreme down to the billions. I think the billions is too low. You're not going to be able to create the next Bitcoin. It's not going to happen. And so there has to be some middle ground where we understand in order to entice your retail traders at the lower level with that psychological effect I'm talking about, you really need to have, to me, I think 500 trillion is like the most I would go but I certainly wouldn't go into billions unless if you have a master project like Angie, for example. So there, it's like a, it's like a no-brainer. It's a master project. Velas, another, is a master project. But if you're just talking something where 
you were previously a dog coin. This is fact, right? And you're trying to rebrand as not a dog coin, but your your logo still is a dog, and you're you're having a harder time getting the credibility in there. I think going to extreme is just going to turn off your retail traders. That means that it's a long play. It forces it to be a long play. It means that you're not going to be able to get the people that you want in the short term. It's going to take some while uh, while to get those people on board longer than you thought might have been the case prior to the start of this. Keep going because you got a plan and you got a strategy and everything's clean. I just I, I wish that they had rethought that inventory a little bit better. I wish they had settled. Like if I'm looking at it and I'm looking at what they're doing and I'm looking at how strong the project is, I I don't I don't support the ten billion across all chains. I so I totally don't support that at all. To me, I would have done probably about a hundred billion maybe 1 trillion at most across all chains let's say 1 trillion at most across all chains then i would have done even splits across each of the different networks so that's my opinion i just i understand the psychological effect of that number and how it works at some point in the future maybe hawk finance will will blow away but there are so many upstarts showing up um and different networks coming up that it's going to force them to get on more networks in order to offset what people might have thought about the token prior. So if they're willing to get on like Velis, for example, Polygon, for example, and other networks, maybe I see an offset on that one. And maybe they have the ability to do more uh, inventory, mint more inventory in the future. I didn't see that they do. But maybe they have that, and maybe they'll rethink it at some point in the future and increase the inventory if they see that, hey, this isn't, really working for us or maybe they're happy with the way it is and if they're happy with the way it is great i support you and what you're trying to do and let's hope that i'm wrong i, I want to be proven wrong i want to see that hey what you did was was the right answer i just i think it's going to be hard because a lot of the a lot of the perspective is going to be on well it was a dog coin and as a dog coin i'm not gonna be able to hold millions and millions of tokens for a few bucks and i think that's going to affect some people and cause them to hesitate to buy in. So that's my update for today. Hopefully that's been beneficial and informational for you. I am purposely avoiding significant amounts of social media involvement. However, um, if there are, like I said, with this whole Suzuki situation, if there are situations where my past abilities to audit and research and track and everything is of help, I would love to help anybody where I can. I do need some fundamental information. So if somebody finds, hey, I, you know, I've got a, let's say I got an address and that's all you have. Uh, I'm talking about a physical address and that's all you have or a phone number and that's all you have. I can do some pretty magic things. I'm not promising anything. I'm saying that I would offer that service and see what I can do to help out. And I do not need any compensation to do it. Um, all I would basically ask is just the recognition that I was helpful in, in solving people's concern. And just recognition, hopefully people will acknowledge, hey, look, it's possible the money's just long gone, and we're open at least to that that hard truth, but we're just not we're just not willing to settle for it until we prove that that's really what happened. So that's it. Thank you.